Charlie from Red Blue Talk here. I talk about how politics and government impact people's lives. Please like and subscribe. On Tuesday, June 25th, 2019, there's going to be a Democratic primary for mayor in Mount Vernon, New York. The candidates are incumbent Mayor Richard Thomas, City Council President Andre Wallace, Yonkers YMCA President and CEO Sean Patterson Howard, and Mount Vernon's former police commissioner, Clyde Isley. I reached out to all four to join me for one-on-one conversations, and each of them scheduled interviews except for Mr. Wallace. Links to the podcasts and videos are at redbluetalk.com. Let's jump in. So uh, we are acquainted uh, from the 1991 time frame when you had a business in New Rochelle. Did you think at that point that you'd be running for mayor uh, 28 years later? No, never in my wildest dreams. So tell me uh, that journey. You had a law enforcement background. Yes. You were a dean of a college. Um, these are these are parts of our world that are very much affected by politics and government. So you knew something about it. When did you say, you know, I can do that? Well, as you said, I have uh, experience in the academic arena. Uh, then I was lucky enough to be appointed the Deputy Commissioner of Administration and Finance at the Westchester County Department of Corrections. So it gave me a chance to look at the correctional system and the shortfalls from my perspective. Uh, and then coupled that with the 22 years of being a police officer in the city of New York, uh, I think my professional career has been unique but well-rounded. I, as I said before, um, I had toured with public uh, office and I was approached to run for the city council position two years ago. While I was uh, undertaking that approach, that task, uh, I became very familiar with the city charter. And in looking at the charter specifically for Mm -hmm. the duties of a council person, I happened to also glance at what requirements uh, one needs to become the elected mayor of the city of Mount Vernon. And in doing so, I saw that that person or the individual who occupies that office should have extensive experience in administrative and financial oversight to effectively manage the city at large. And I was surprised that it was almost identical to my professional career over the last 25, 30 years. So there's another category of qualifications um, for public office, in, in particular in Mount Vernon, and that has to do with conflict resolution. And to to kind of put a frame around it and to just jump right into the middle of it, conflict is how Mount Vernon governs right now. Yes. Um, You are going to have opposing interest groups. Yes. There are going to be people that don't like what you want to accomplish and maybe don't even like you. Right. And uh, my question is, how do you resolve that kind of conflict? I mean, just to point to one simple thing without over-rotating on it, we had a situation where, you know, a bill wasn't paid and fuel wasn't purchased, and it, it, it became like an internal war within City Hall. How do you unravel that culture of conflict? Well, I've been saying to the uh, residents of Mount Vernon that the problem we face, the, the larger problem that we face is uh, inexperienced leadership on the part of the mayor's office. And I think that Uh, with my extensive career uh, at the executive level um, uh, of uh, administration, I bring to the table the ability to get people to come together and compromise over issues. I've done that throughout my career. Uh, In each 
uh, position I've ever uh, held, there are always opposing views. And, and I'm a firm believer that you review all of the information that you have before you from the different interest groups, and you look for middle ground, and you get all of the uh, stakeholders to understand that there is a middle ground, and for some components of the issue on the table to move forward, we have to reach agreement. Right. Generally, when one takes that approach, compromise can be achieved. But, Mr. Isley, you are speaking the language of compromise and reconciliation and remediation. And I am putting out there that we may be in a situation in Mount Vernon where the cultural norm is so toxic that there isn't a center on many of these issues. I agree. I agree. But I believe it's because, like I said earlier, a lack of leadership on the part of the mayor. If, well, I believe my reputation is going to precede me into the office. People understand who I am and what kind of expertise I bring to the table. That being said, I think the stakeholders will approach me in a different manner because of who I am and be willing to sit down and discuss issues intelligently and professionally. Why? What's different? Me. Me. I think I'm the catalyst to bring the city to a point where we can effectively run the city as it should be. Uh, I think that when we look at the last couple of uh, persons who occupied that office, none of them brought the expertise that I have to the table. That being said, I think that the elected officials who know me very well and know me from my being police commissioner and my professional experience outside of city government understand that I'm a responsible, fair-minded individual who's concerned about the welfare of the city at large. And I think that I will be accepted that way, and I think people will be willing to to listen to me and compromise with me. I strongly believe that. Well, I, I wasn't able to pinpoint from your the biographical information you have on the web, what were the years you were in the New York City Police Department at various different levels? Right. Um, I began my career with the police department in 1962, and I retired in 1984 as a detective sergeant. Uh, and... Interestingly, I, my last assignment was uh, investigator at the Sabine Complaint Review Board, and that sensitized me as to the um, misdeeds of the New York City Police Department at large. And I brought that philosophy with me when I was approached to become police commissioner of the city of Mount Vernon. And in my review of operational um, procedures, the environment that existed there, I found it to be um, an area of, uh, maybe not area, but an environment of corruption. Mm -hmm. And when approached by the FBI, I was very willing to uh, assist in their investigation, and it resulted in the arrest of four police officers uh, from that department. And we cleared that corruption issue at that particular time. How would you implement a CCRB, Civilian Complaint Review Board, in Mount Vernon? Because my understanding is we don't have exactly that kind of structure right now? How would you put something like that? Or would you put something like that? Well, there's legislation that was introduced by my running mate, Yana Edwards, um, that I would tend to be willing to adopt. I think it's important that there be a separate agency from the executive branch of government that offers itself as a conduit to individuals who are reluctant to go to the police and complain. Um, I'm a firm believer in the Sabine Complaint Review Board policy. Um, so I would be amenable to that legislation moving forward through city council and coming before me to enact. So <clears throat> the 
city has to get its financial house in order. There's a bond rating issue. There's the never-ending debacle of Memorial Field, which we're led to believe is finally coming to some sort of a resolution. There are federal lawsuits regarding sewage infiltration. There are some big problems in Mount Vernon, and arguably, many are arguing that Mount Vernon is at a low point, and the word turnaround keeps coming up. And my question is, what are the top two things that the mayor needs to do to change that, to reset that course? Well, one of my highest priorities is to ask the New York State Controller's Office to come in and take a look at our financials and our protocols to assure us that we are operating in the manner we should, and secondly, to uncover any hidden financial issues that we, the general public, may be unaware of. Mm -hmm. The second most important thing uh, on my agenda would be to uh, restore our bond rating. Without it, we can't go out to the financial market and secure funding to address our crumbling infrastructure. And I want to be specific about crumbling in infrastructure. I'm talking about our roadways. I'm talking about the sidewalks that causes great trip hazards throughout the city. Um, but at the same time, three years of unaudited financials is the, the catalyst that caused us to lose our bond rating. We mm -hmm. must complete those. And I think the delay is it stems from three agencies that the mayor has exclusive control over. That's the Water Department, that's the Urban Development um, Agency, and the Urban Renewal Agency. And I think those three years of delay is driven by what became very apparent a week or two ago was the misappropriation of $365,000 of Water Department money that was directed to the mayor's legal defense fund. So that being said, one tends to be somewhat suspicious about what went on with the IDA and what went on with the Urban Renewal Agency. Uh, once we resolve those issues by doing a forensic audit, then we'll be able to complete that process, the yep. three years of unaudited financials, and make application to the uh, financial market to restore our bond rating. So you are teeing up a very ambitious agenda. If we were having this interview four years from now, which would be June of 2023, uh, what would you boast about having accomplished? Finished all of what I just said. And then on top of it, I think the cream on top of the cake will be in 2021, we're going to have Memorial Field completed, back in operation. But you raised some other issues, if I can just continue. I think the sewer issue hasn't been spoke about enough. I'm under the impression that as of June 26, which is a few days from now, a week or two, uh, the city is going to be subjected to daily penalties from the uh, Environmental Protection Agency because we haven't completed the preliminary steps of preventing sewage water from running into our cold water system. So I did a video about that uh, that's on YouTube. You can go see it, and it is like... A pretty unbelievable situation. It is. So uh, I've got a shot in that video where you can see exactly what's coming out of those pipes and going into the Hutchinson River. Right. And it's pretty gross. Gross. And no one speaks about it currently. Right. Right. It's uh, it's uh, really a, a big uh, problem, and I understand why the EPA and the state DEP uh, won't let up. But you have a community here that's got very high expectations, maybe unrealistic expectations. Um, how do you mediate that with what you can actually accomplish in a span of four years, uh, all the while 
um, thinking about another election coming up? Well, um, I believe my executive experience and my long successful track record will put me in a position to be able to appoint qualified uh, individuals with yep. proven track records to head my departments. Uh, I intend to uh, ask them to conduct an internal review to assure them and myself that they have the resources necessary to get the job done. I think that once we we achieve that immediate goal, then it's going to make the job of managing the city a lot easier. I mean, over the long term, positions uh, as department heads has been page, uh, politically uh, driven, mm -hmm. and most of those individuals in, in in those department head positions are unqualified for them. I'm going to swing back to that in a second. First, I want to talk a little bit about the campaign stuff. Um, election campaigns themselves are like little ecosystems. Money comes in, money goes out. Um, when I look at your campaign disclosures, I do see significant contributions um, from both within and outside of Mount Vernon. Uh, you've had several contributors giving $1,000 or more. None of them are from Mount Vernon. Uh, there were six separate LLCs, all located in the same address in West New York, New Jersey, each one for more than $1,000 each. Um, and you've also contributed considerable sum of your own money uh, toward the campaign. Um, how much does money impact your run? How does money impact how you govern? Um, what do I get if I write a $1,000 check? Effective leadership on my behalf. Mm -hmm. I think those individuals who contributed, like you said, a thousand dollars or more, believe in my ability to run the city the way it should be done. I think those individuals also believe that I am the only candidate in this race who has the skill set to change the direction of Mount Vernon. Because in my perception, we're at a, a critical point in our city's history. Uh, we've been mismanaged for over 20 years. And we're at that point now where, and I've said publicly, the next step is a state monitor. Are we putting ourselves in a position for that to occur? I think that with my administration in place, with the skill set that not just myself, right. but my department heads bring to the city, uh, we'll be able to turn it around. But what changes? Because these these $1,000 contributors are in every one of these campaigns. They're in, not just yours. They're in every campaign. True. And they're in prior campaigns. Right. And a lot of them are the same people writing the same $1,000 checks. Correct. Which brings up the question, who's running Mount Vernon? Is it changing? And and how do you govern differently uh, if the funding stream hasn't changed? Well, when you say who's running Mount Vernon, I think the person elected to the office is the person that's the, uh, the residents of Mount Vernon look to to run the city. I think people who contribute uh, generally do so based on the candidate. I think they did a self-analysis as to who they think is best qualified to be in that position and donate accordingly. I am not one to uh, be uh, swayed by the size of the contribution being made to me. I look at it as a as a um, indication of that person's support of my candidacy more so than anything else. And in fairness, I must say, you and the other candidates also have plenty of small $100 contributors as True. well. So um, there's a website called See Through New York. It's one of my personal favorites. It's a nonpartisan Albany think tank. Um, and what they do is they take a lot of public 
publicly available information and they munge all this data and they kind of report back what's going on in uh, cities and villages and school districts. Um, some interesting statistics about Mount Vernon and specifically about the cost of labor. In 2015, the total payroll city of Mount Vernon was $48.5 million. In 2018, the total payroll was $55.8 million. So I did a little bit of arithmetic and I said, okay, over a span of three years, if there was a 10% contractual labor increase in the cost of labor that you can't do anything about, mm -hmm. even allowing for that, the city is spending $2.5 million more per year on labor than it was three years ago. So the evidence is very clear. It's overtime. True. It's overtime pay. True. Right? True. So the, the you know the next question is, how do you get that under control? What do you you know what do you say? A lot of it is police and fire, and and what do you do? Well, um, I'm glad you brought that up. Like I said early on, you know I'm going to appoint professionals to head my departments, and part of their their task is to assess the department they intend to head, because I'm a firm believer that we are understaffed. City municipal workers are understaffed. And the only way we can compensate for that lack of staff that we need is through overtime. If we are to address the service issues that are quite apparent when you look at the, 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 the outward appearance of the city of Mount Vernon, mm -hmm. then we have to put appropriate resources in place. But people say, okay, is that going to increase our operating expenses? To some degree. But what we are failing to look at is the revenue side of our budget. When you look at where, what revenue has been over that same uh, period of time, you'll see that revenue has risen very, very slowly. As a matter of fact, a state subcommittee has cited the city of Mount Vernon as one of four cities within the state that has the, that's lacking in their building code enforcement. And when you look at the payroll of the building department currently, you'll find that there's only one building inspector for the entire city of Mount Vernon. That's unheard of. And how's that impacting revenue? Because that person is to is in that position to assure that the safety of these residents, both right. private and multifamily, right. comply the current code. Right. And if we only have one building code building inspector trying to take on that task, it's impossible to get done. So if we increase the size of those inspectors, and we give them the resources to go out and do their job, certainly our revenue side is going to increase. And not only that, there are, there are fees that are applied by uh, the building department for all types of activity that occur in the city. Right. I'm told that the average wait time for approval is over six months. That, that's, again, unheard of. Why should it be that long? Yeah. So if we increase services to a point where people can come in and their issues expeditiously uh, resolved, if we have the appropriate number of building inspectors ensuring that we all are safe, because mm -hmm. you've seen a number of fires that occurred in the city of Mount over the short term, then we're increasing the revenue side. The Department of Sanitation has that same capability. I mean, our city is, from my perspective, filthy. And it's filthy because the sanitation department have to worry first about gas. They have to worry secondly about operating equipment uh, that's the city uh, is illegally using. We have a, a lease fleet that we're currently operating mm -hmm. that hasn't been approved by the Board of Estimate, hasn't gone through the uh, council, 
And as a matter of fact, a month or two ago, there was a question of a misappropriation of $91,000 sent to that company to pay for the current leasing uh, agreement. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's in violation in that it's not approved by the budget, budget and um, budget and uh, contract yep. hasn't been approved by the city council then i can't expect our controller to pay that leasing bill because we theoretically don't have a contract with that company right and wait a minute let me add to that it puts the city at risk because now we're asking our department of public works employees to operate that equipment and they're not insured mm -hmm. so if they hurt themselves uh while doing so then the city is liable so I'm totally appalled that's going on. And I understand that the, the mayor has recently raised an issue about the non-payment of that leasing agreement. Well, we don't have a contract with them, so why should we be paying them? So those are the issues I think are important. So a lot of these issues that you're talking about are, they're like bread and butter managerial issues. Yes, not necessarily they are. political issues, exactly. but they become political issues. And let me give you one example. Um, in 2015, this is again see through New York. In 2015, I need to restart. In 2015, uh, Mount Vernon's highest paid individual got $154,000. In 2018, Mount Vernon's highest paid individual got $248,000. And if you look at that list, there's a good handful, a bunch of people who are making $30,000 more or 40000 or f even $50,000 more than they were three years ago. So there's, you know, and, and it may not be illegal. It may not be in violation of a contract. Uh, it's it's an abuse, but it's a policy abuse. Well, so that, that's how do you address that? Well, let me ask this question. That $254,000 number are, that you referred to, yep. Are we including the school district in those numbers? No, oh. these are City of Mount Vernon. The top paid City of Mount Vernon employee in 15 got $154,000. Right. The top paid city employee in 18 got $248,000. Right, and that may have been a police officer, someone from the police department, and I'm not sure if it is or is not. But again, it goes back to the issue of being undermanned. When you're undermanned and you don't have the appropriate size to deal with the issues that confront that particular department, the only way that you can continue service is through overtime. Overtime, right. It's through overtime. So by increasing the number of people who work for the individual departments, we reduce the number of overtime hours. We do take on long-term uh, long uh, additional expense because not only with salary comes benefits, but if we also enhance service, and increase revenue, then it's a net-net gain, you mm -hmm. know? That's my approach to that issue. And I think that what we failed, the city leadership has failed to do, is take that type of managerial approach. And if they did, rather than trying to pacify the community at large by saying minimal tax increase, um, put the appropriate people in place, demonstrate that revenue has increased, and therefore is gonna have a positive effect on any future tax rate, tax increase. And I think the community would buy into that, especially when they see their immediate environment change dramatically, solve the sewer issue, restore Memorial Field. And then you're going to have people really, truly buying into the city of Marvernon again. Well, it, that two, two and a half million dollars extra that we're spending on labor, that might be what it takes to correct the sewer problem. Exactly. Right. So exactly. Uh, or remediate the dirt at Memorial Field. 
So there are a lot of things one can do with $2.5 million. My position is, early on, I want to take a look at the $115 million operating budget that we currently have in hand and see how that money is being spent. No one has ever said to us, well, the $115 million is being spent uh, based on A, B, and C. No one has ever said that. Now, we've had state-of-the-city uh, addresses, right. but the those addresses don't go into enough detail from my perspective to paint a clear picture of why it's costing us $115 million a year to run the city. I have no doubt that you have managed people in large, complex environments, um, but you haven't managed Mount Vernon City Hall. Um, how do you get your arms around the toxicity of... Uh, a political mess where you, you've got uh, four-way primary elections, people are winning mayor races with 38% of the vote, um, the district leaders will you know, still be there uh, afterward. How do you transition from uh, campaigning to governing? Well, Mount Vernon is no different than any other community in Westchester County or actually in the state or the nation. I think the, the discord that we see is based primarily on frustration on the part of the residents at large. They see their elected officials not working as a team, not living up to the commitment that it's well, well defined in the city charter. Or is, it a fr or is it a frustration in a competition for resources? Uh, influence more so than resources because the, the, the tax base is what it is. Two-thirds of it goes to the Board of Education. Right. So the city is left with that one-third. It's how we manage that one-third, how well we go about doing our job. I think that personalities get in the way uh, because you got to keep in mind that the mayor, the controller, and the present city council all have served together on the council to begin with. Yeah. And during that period, they've developed personality conflicts, biases toward each other, and they're not adult enough to be able to overcome those things and tend to the business of the city at large. Yeah. And I'm not one of those. I haven't served on city council. I've never been the controller. I've never been the mayor. So I'm that outside person that, first of all, has the skills to run the city, and secondly, not committed to one group or another. My position all along is that I'm coming in as the chief executive uh, who has administrative and financial oversight abilities, and that's how I intend to run the city as a business. June 25th, what should everybody do? Come out and vote 7A, Clyde A. Isley for mayor.